Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Hop Grenade and uh, live recording of the session. This is a beer podcast, uh, which means I get to basically talk about beer for a living. Lucky enough to do that. Got out of college. I was a bartender. Decided I didn't like working. So started a beer podcast in my garage. And look at us now. Our second Hop Grenade location. We got one in California, and then we just opened a few months ago here in Fort Collins. So... Thank you. One person enjoyed uh, us, uh, me not having a job. I appreciate that. My mother probably paid you to clap for me. Uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about Fort Collins beer. And uh, every week on the show we have different guests, breweries, uh, homebrew luminaries, um, people who know nothing about beer so we could make fun of them. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about the Fort Collins beer scene. I've got a, uh, three different guests we're going to be talking to. Uh, and with me right now we've got uh, Andrew uh, from Tap and Handle, which uh, you probably all know Tap and Handle right down the road there. Um, my second favorite bar Thank in, you. in town. You're welcome. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I'll take second. Yeah, my list goes like it's, it's of course, my own bar. Um, uh, and then it goes Tap and Handle. And then The Forge. Is my is my third favorite. Forge is killer. Yeah, it's such yeah, a great awesome bar. Place, awesome people. Yeah, uh, cool location. You got to like walk down a creepy mm-hmm. alley to get to yep. it. I like bars like that. Uh, and then we've got Chris from Craft Beer Cellar here in town with us today too. So uh, you probably know that too if you like to bring home great beer. Uh, Chris is your guy for that. And then a little later on the program, we're going to be talking to uh, the, in my opinion, the the legendary Peter Bucart. Uh, with New Belgium and now his new brewery, Purpose. So, uh, and we've got his beer on tap tonight too. So you should check that out. So we're going to get started here. Um, I got to be careful. I see there are some kids in the audience tonight. So earmuffs. Yeah, I'll behave myself. My staff should take bets on how long it takes me to offend somebody. Yeah, same here. The, the last show I did from here, I think I offended uh, the entirety of Colorado. Um, cause I'm new here. I'm still getting used to it. And I was kind of making fun of all the Subarus and, um, and North face jackets. And uh, although Fort Collins is a little different, I was, I, I was kind of focusing on Boulder. Um, <laughs> but I think I inadvertently offended the entirety of uh, a Colorado. So I'll try to do better tonight. Um, but if you do get offended, raise your hand and then whoever in my staff wins the pool of how long it takes me to, uh, offend somebody, uh, then I'll give them 50 bucks. That's a good deal, right? <laughs> Let's get that pool going. Yeah, Andrew's already offended. <laughs> Done. Uh, all right, so uh, like I said, we're going to talk about Fort Collins beer tonight. Uh, we got a lot going on here in, in Fort Collins, and, and right here in Foothills tonight, we got uh, Santa Claus is out there. I just, I just heard Santa Claus. He's, 
He was kind of creepy, actually, but uh, he looked like a Santa Claus. We got the ice rink happening um, and the tree lighting going on tonight. Olympic skaters out there, too. I saw that, right? Like a a real Olympic skater. Did you watch them skate at all? Yeah, we we took a peek on our way in. And how was it? Lots of twirls and stuff. Really? Yeah. (laughs) So I was a little nervous. I'm going to be honest because I checked out the ice yesterday and it wasn't looking too good. (laughs) It was really rough and kind of cracked. So they were laying another layer on it uh, last night to get it ready for today. And I was, first I was thinking, well, that's no big deal. Like amateur skaters, it's not going to bother them. But then I remember we're having an Olympic skater, and I just had these terrible visions of him face planting over a crack in the ice. <laughs> but everything went okay? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Didn't want to burp in the mic. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, usually we can do that, but tonight we're going to not offend people. Okay. So, um, yep. yeah, good call on your part. <laughs> so how long has the Tap and Handle been open in Fort Collins? Uh, we're about five and a half years now. Okay. And did you start the the bar as well? The founder was Jeff Willis, who is okay. about to open up uh, Skull Mechanics down in Austin, Texas. So okay. it should be pouring beer hopefully in February. Another good beer and town. I was his bar manager for about a year. Then I had the opportunity to uh, purchase it from him with my partners. Um, almost we're approaching two years. Okay. Excellent. Uh, that just kind of fell in your lap or did you always want to be a, a bar owner? Um, you know, if I was going to continue to stay in this industry, yeah, not necessarily craft beer, but you know, um, bartending, bar management, things like that, yeah, then I definitely wanted to be an owner. Okay, um, and yeah, I was definitely at the right place at the right time, and I love Fort Collins, and um, you know, I like to think I just took advantage of opportunity and what I saw, and I saw a good thing, and it's been you know nothing less since. Okay. What was the beer that got you into craft beer? What was your first? Uh, honestly, it was, I would have to say, the Voodoo Ranger. Or not the Voodoo, the, the, the Ranger IPA from New from Belgium. From New Belgium, yeah. Yep, I was attracted to, uh, I was a young college student, attracted to a high ABV. Sure. Didn't even know what an IPA was. And, <laughs> Did you just uh, ask for the highest alcohol? I, I just saw 6.5. Yeah. And I was like, that's more than Bud Ice. So. <laughs> Which is what you were drinking previously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. I was a Natty Ice person. Yeah, plenty oh, of Natty geez. Ice. Yep, yeah. And, you know, we didn't know I any know. better back Back then, you know, when you're 21, 22. You don't, and you can't afford much more anyway. No, no. You know, I'm 30 now, and I've grown up. and A little. Yeah. yeah. You've grown up to bit. Ranger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris, what was your first craft beer that got you into uh, it? I believe it was Hoogarden. Oh, yeah. Um, there are other things like uh, La Chouf, uh-huh. um, which is, to this day, still one of my favorite beers. Good beer. Um, so imports got you into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Um I mean, I just, I didn't drink when I was in college. Wow. Look um, at you. Why aren't you a doctor right what? now? <laughs> I just, I didn't like beer. Okay. And, uh, so there I, were other options. Whiskey. You know? <laughs> I just, I, I just didn't enjoy it. Like this, I, I, I think my first hangover was uh, off Mike's Hard Lemonade. Okay. So that, I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> that'll keep you from drinking. It was awful. Um, but yeah, a friend of mine, uh, I guess I was uh, 21. Maybe 22, actually, seriously. Um, gave me a, a Who Garden and um, ruined your life. And I'm like, wow, beer can taste good. And then just went down the rabbit hole. Got it. Yeah. Things I swear I never thought I'd, heard, I'd hear on this show is somebody say, <laughs> I didn't drink in college. Yeah. Or Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We got to bring back icing. We do. <laughs> do we, maybe we might have one in the back. Is there one? Uh, <laughs> mine was. Um, so I was dr- definitely drinking Natural Light and, and MGD and, and a lot of beers like that. Nothing wrong with those those beers. And I moved up to the Bay Area in California. Um, and every every barbecue I went to, every kegger, had this new beer called Sierra Nevada. 
And I took my first sip of Sierra Nevada, and I thought it was horrible. It was like one of the worst things I ever tasted. It was so bitter. You know, I just wasn't used to that. Yeah. But everywhere I went, that's all they had. And before I knew it, I'm, so I'm drinking Sierra Nevada a bunch, and I bring myself back to the store to pick up a six-pack of the cheap stuff. And I couldn't drink that anymore. I just couldn't go back. It wasn't intentional at all, but my palate had just changed. I think that happens with a lot of people. Um, and then especially in a town like this, like, you know, when I grew up and, and, and went to college, you know, crap here was hard to find. It was, it was new. Well, I would think kids in college now, like, they don't know a time when there isn't craft beer on tap. Or like when you go to, I guess you don't buy beer at grocery stores here. We do in California. When you go to the store and there isn't craft beer in the store. Like, they're spoiled rotten in, in, in nowadays, right? It's just hundreds and hundreds of, of beers. Oh, yeah. How many different skews of craft beer do you think you carry at the, at the beer cellar? It depends on the day, um, but somewhere between 600 and 1,000. Wow. Uh, That's so given, many. Yeah. yeah. Given on time of year, GABF. Okay. Uh, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Did you grow up here, or why did you choose Fort Collins? Uh, actually, I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Um, I lived in Boston for a number of years, and Craft Beer Cellar, uh, we're a franchise of the original um, The original store opened in Belmont, Massachusetts, about okay. 10 miles outside of Boston in 2010 Got uh, it. when I was living there, and the bottle shop opening right near me, awesome. Yeah. So, um, was there first day and just love the concept, love the owners, yeah. um, excuse me, and just really, really enjoyed it. And then they decided to, to open a franchising program uh, about 18 to 24 months after they first opened. Okay. And I just thought that was just really awesome. And I kind of put it in the back of my mind because um, I wasn't really happy with my job. Um, but by that time, I was off Mike's Hard Lemonade and actually drinking beer okay. and a huge beer geek. Prove it. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're checking uh, your, check hey, your fridge later. I'm drinking Alvarado Street right now. Yeah, but that's just because you're hanging out with the cool kids right now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, and then just, I mean, I wanted to move off the East Coast. I was just, I mean, tired of the crowds and the weather, and I just wanted a change in my life. So okay. I visited Colorado kind of on a whim. And loved it. First day in Fort Collins. Very first day. Um, not even making this up. I decided that I could live here. Really? Um, I went to, um, pretty sure I went to your bar. Uh, first place I went to the, was the mayor of Old Town. Yeah. Loved it. Um, and just the way, I mean, everybody was so friendly, but the mm. way the beer scene was. Uh, I went to Odell, went to New Belgium, went to Funkworks, uh, Equinox, um, all that weekend. Just fell in love with the place sure and yeah just everybody was so super cool and very passionate about beer and i had the idea in my mind to open the store and i'm like i could do that here yeah okay and yeah and here you are how long ago was that uh january 2015 is when i moved here okay you're right about the people being like amazingly nice mm -hmm. in this town. I think this is how I started to offend people last time is that <laughs> it, people are so nice in this town that it made me uncomfortable. Like, you know, all over the United States, people say it's just a greeting. You say, how you doing? And, and your answer back is like, I'm, I'm fine. You know, it's not a real question in the re here. They ask me, I'm at the grocery store checking out. And just, how are you doing? I'm fine. That's good. What did you do today? 
I don't know. I'm just shopping. Are you having a nice time? Is everything like if they actually care about the answer is yeah. really off putting to me. Yeah. But the town is cool. And the beer people in this town are really cool. It's a good community. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten to know you guys a little bit. And, and I just think that not just the beer bars or the, the, the bottle shops, but the breweries all work together really well. Oh, yeah. Collaborations happening all the time. Um, so you picked a good spot. How many franchises are there? Uh, I believe as of tonight, there are 34 wow. across the country. Okay. Um, I know there's one not too far from you guys opening in San Jose pretty soon. Okay. I'm really glad that you told me this because I was looking up your logo and information to put on the website, and I found this other craft beer cellar. Like, yeah. Only one showed up for some reason, but it was in, uh, in California. and mm-hmm. Yeah, Torrance and Eagle Rock. Yeah. Apparently. And I was, I was like, oh, man, i got to tell Chris he stole somebody's trademark. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now I understand. No, of course. I'm well aware. <laughs> You're, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and, and how about you, Andrew? Have, have you grown up in Fort Collins? or No, I'm approaching four years here on the 1st of February. Um, I'm from Iowa. Okay. Um, came out here because I wanted to, um, you know, better life, snowboarding in particular. Sure. Was one of my uh, main hobbies and just, just mountain stuff in general. Okay. And, um, you know, I started, first job was at FCB. I'd, I'd been working at some breweries back Fort in Collins Iowa Brewery? Too. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And um, then I was lucky enough to have uh, the opportunity to start at Tap and Handle as a bar manager. So I took that right away after one year. Got it. And just pretty much elevated our beer game. Okay. There. Yeah. And you drank in college, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Not Mike's Heart Lemonade. No. But, <laughs> but, but whatever else I you mean, could not find. Whatever better. swill you could find. Mostly yeah. Jack Daniels. But okay. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so I'm curious what you guys think makes Fort Collins beer scene different than other places. I know, obviously, there's a quantity of breweries here. What is there, yeah. now 24 right in town or something? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So, but, but what else? Like, Why are they all here? I mean, we're, we're the beer mecca, and, you know, I think, in, in my opinion, Fort Collins is so community-based. Um, everybody wants to be friends with everyone, and, um, you know, brings this... The culture is just... The beer culture is just tremendous, and it yeah. truly brings... Uh, um, people together and, you know, like I said, provides culture and it's just on a different level than anything I've ever, ever experienced anywhere else. Um, no matter what industry that is. Um, and it's just, it's just a really awesome social thing. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, Fort Collins is obviously a lifestyle town, which people had said to me before I came here, but it took me a while to get it. And people genuinely work to live here, not, not live to work, not the other way around. And I was trying to figure out about the breweries. I thought maybe it was water, but there's good water all over Colorado. And Fort Collins is kind of far out here. You know, we're up in northern Colorado, an hour out of Denver. So I just thought, well, why wouldn't Denver be the place that had, you know, of course now it has plenty of breweries, but it didn't when Fort Collins did. And I think you're right. Like the only answer I can come up with is it's not the water. It's not access to ingredients. It's that people just want the lifestyle of living in Fort Collins. Yeah. And breweries just kind of fit that too. Um, Although there are some, when we were opening up here, I'd, I'd be out front every now and then, people walking by, and they would go, they'd roll their eyes sometimes, like, oh, another another beer place in Fort Collins, that's yeah, what we need. I've heard that. Yeah, like, why couldn't you open up a wine place or this? And I just like, oh, sorry, I just, I know beer, but I felt like it was still a good fit, especially down on this side of town, in Midtown, I felt like needed a bar like this. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But our model, too, was to be in a place that has a ton of breweries around so that you can get fresh beer. And then, honestly, not a lot of, of, of great 
and I have high standards of great tap rooms. You know, there's right. a, there's a couple of us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned uh, obviously there's tap and handle. I, I mentioned Forge is a good spot. You mentioned the mayor, Choice City. Uh, you know, oh, Choice City is killer. Closely oh, with yeah. them as well. Yeah. Man, how do they, they, they like make the top of the beer list every year. Oh, it's every there. year. Yeah. It's every single year, right? With 30 taps. They're, Russ does an incredible job. Yeah, he really yeah. does. He, brings, he makes a damn good sandwich, too. Yes, he does. Yes. Yes. He does all that stuff himself, too. Does he really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How long has that place been around? Uh, 14 years. Okay. Yeah. So that was one of the first places recommended to me here. And it seems strange because I looked it up and it's a deli, right? It's a sandwich shop. Yeah. But, but people said, no, you, you, you got to go there. It's the best best beer in they town. have like rattlesnake brats and kangaroo brats it's crazy. really oh yeah have you had one yeah yeah, yeah. i've had both what They're, does rattlesnake taste like uh i don't even know just deliciousness <laughs> does it really <laughs> pair that with like a, some cheese and jam is great oh man i went back and bought more yeah. the next day because i didn't even know that was a thing wow yeah i grew up in the desert too i've never eaten rattlesnake i had no idea i'm gonna have to go check yeah. it out i'm headed back to california tomorrow i better go before yeah. i leave and like i said he does that stuff all himself Okay, so, that's amazing. That's super cool. So, do you think that you have to do anything different as a bar owner in a town like like Fort Collins um, than maybe the regular place? Do you have to have an outdoor space, or is it just put on great beer like everywhere else? You know, if you put on the great beer, I think that people will definitely come. But um, we definitely take pride in establishing you know a rapport and a relationship with our customers. We have a good idea of what the beer is that they're looking for, and. Um, ultimately, just working closely with so many of our friends around town. Sure. So you have to, um, in my opinion, have to be willing to work together with yeah. other businesses and, you know, grow this platform together. Um, either, you know, don't alienate yourself as, as a business and look sure. out just for yourself. But, you know, look I at think the that's picture. especially that that works everywhere. But I think that's especially true here. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know that you can't just be out on an island. Uh, no one will. No one will care about you very much. Right. <laughs> do you focus on local beer mostly or do you do you care about that part? Um, you know, if, if you look at our draft list at any given time uh, with 74 taps, we're give or take roughly like 30 percent local. OK. Um, that's completely random. So okay. you know, I just look at inventory lists and beer, and um, I see stuff that uh, that I want that also fits in with what I need. Sure. And um, what I also think our customer base would like. And it just, we, we are so spoiled and fortunate to have such awesome beer in the state. Yeah. It, it's completely random, honestly. Okay. And it just so happens that we carry usually around 30, 33% of, uh, you know, local Colorado beer. Got it. And 74 taps you have. Correct. Wow. Is that just all you could fit? Like that just took up every inch of space that you could use for, for taps? Uh, you know, Jeff Willis was born in 74, so that's that was his number. I see. So that, he went with that. Oh, no. You know, if, if I had it my way, um, I'd get rid of the kitchen and build another bar and wow. know, do another 126 taps. Interesting. So, you know. so when we opened our first one, the, the number of taps question was a big question. And... Um, you, you automatically think that, that more is better. But I actually had a, a, a different opinion. I have trouble when I go into a bar that has 100 taps. It's just a little, I just, there's too many choices. Right. Um, but I, I, and I will mention how you do it differently, and it's why I really like the amount of taps you have and the way you do it. But, but we chose to have less. We have 21 in California, we have 25 here. And to me, it was just a, a magic number to get plenty of variety, but not be overwhelmed by choices. 
But one thing that you do uh, very well is how you categorize all your beers. Right. So when I get your beer menu, I'm actually not overwhelmed. I, I'm, it's already narrowed down for me. Yep. I can go the hoppy beers. I can go the, I think you call it multi and rich. Multi and sweet. Multi and sweet. Um, what are the other categories you do? Roasty and rich. Okay. Fruity and spicy. Got Tart it. and funky. Yeah. And you got your uh, ciders and meats. It's a great way to do it because, like I said, it already narrows it down for me. So I just start with what I'm in the mood of. So there's a, nut, there's a bar in California that I'm not a big fan of. They, they carry a lot of great beer. But I go in, they have a ton of taps, like uh, 75 or 80. But it's all on this big, messy chalkboard. Right. There's no, there's no categories. There's no, it's not even a paper menu. It's just on this messy chalkboard. And I can't, I can't order anything. It's very disturbing uh, to have that many beer and not, or, not organize it for you. And, you know, that's something we deal with every day is um, seeing customers being overwhelmed. And, you know, we definitely get a lot of uh, tourists and traction off the street just because, you know, we're right on the edge of Old Town. And um, um, it's something that our staff does very well with is giving recommendations and um, just educating our customers at the same time. Okay. And, you know, all they the first question that they usually ask is, what's your favorite beer on tap? Well, we go through anywhere from 20, 25 beers a week and. Uh, first question they're going to ask back is, what do you like? Yeah. And then, then they'll uh, just throw you know a few things out from there, give them some tasters. and Sure. Know, they're, they're really good at uh, figuring out what people like and um, you know, just educating them. Sure. Overall. Are you ever annoyed by customers that don't know enough about beer? to you know, Maybe they come in like you did the first time and just say, give me your highest alcohol. Or, <laughs> or maybe even worse, like uh, give me the one that's most like Coors Light. Um, not... Not really, no, because you know we're, we we know to expect that. Okay, um, you know it's you can tell that we have a lot of tourists in there when they, they just want their wheats and their browns. Got you it. Know, that kind of thing. We usually carry a brown full time, and we rotate through um, mostly local brewery browns like Telly Telly Ride, Face Down Brown, Scott Busternut Brown, Horse Dragon Honey, Whistle Blast Brown. Okay, things like that. And um, but we don't do a lot of wheats because it's not necessarily a. Um, huge desirable style with uh, um, you know just so many offerings and variety. It used to be we have. Yeah. like really back in the in the late '90s, early 2000s, everybody wanted a wheat, but it, it's really gone away, hasn't it? It, it definitely has. But yet, um, in my opinion, with the people that just aren't so up to date on craft beer like we are, um, that's definitely a good gateway. Yeah, in my opinion, sure. So it's and we, we we have things that are you know super similar, so we always point them in that direction, and usually works out. Chris, what's your go-to gateway recommendation for a customer that comes in and, and says, look, I'm, I don't really know much about craft beer. I'm trying to get into it. Um, well, I mean, same kind of thing that Andrew was just talking about is uh, getting to know what exactly they like. Uh, and same thing with his staff. My staff are we're very well educated. And, I mean, we can point anybody to, you know, if they say they wanted a Ranger, uh, for example, that doesn't exist anymore, we can give them any number of, you know, 6.5 is not really high alcohol anymore, but... Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's high alcohol, right. uh, very nice, piney, citrusy IPAs. Um, so it's it's not really uh, a question I can give you. What you if know, they come in and say, I like American light lager. That's what I, I normally drink, but I want to try something different. Uh, New Belgium Old Aggie okay. is the absolute number one recommendation. Um, or I'll go, you know, Whibby's Light Shine Hellas. Okay. Um, if they want to, you know, start getting into the... The craft lager style. Um, when Jack's Abbey is in town, everything Jack's Abbey, their house lager, their Hopponius Union, if they like a little bit of hops. Got it. Um, but, yeah, certainly things like that. Montucky Cold Snacks is actually a huge seller for us. I've never had that. It's just light lager for Montana. It's, okay. Yeah. And nothing to it. It's just 
It's crisp. It's clean. It's got it. Yeah. I had a Hellas at your place last night, Andrew. Who was that from? Beerstadt. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That beer is so good. No, it was a killer beer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was saying, I think I was saying to your bartender, Chris, uh, that it it used to be that you couldn't really get a good Hellas here. People would make Hellas in America. I'm not saying they didn't. But it didn't taste like an authentic Hellas. And that was about as authentic as it gets. Yeah, we love it. Legit. We go down to Denver to pick those kegs up. You do? Rightfully okay. so. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. I mean, there's a, they're gaining some traction in Denver. And um, there's definitely a demand up here for it. And okay. When we put it on, it's one of our number one selling beers in that category. Got it. Now, Chris, something that's different. Uh, liquor laws obviously vary by state. And the way liquor stores are set up here is different than say California. It's different than a lot of States Mm -hmm. where, um, you could buy at a grocery store or you could have a chain of liquor stores. Is it true that here you, you can't even really have a chain of, of liquor stores? Are you, are you personally, for example, only allowed to own one? Uh, that's changing soon. Uh, law was passed since uh, grocery stores are going to be able to sell alcohol. Oh, I see. Um, I can't remember the exact date. I think it's, I want to say 2019, but I could be wrong. So I was. How do you feel about that? I was told that the law originated to protect small business owners, right? Mm-hmm. Although, stores. although the part where where then a small business owner couldn't open multiple locations seemed a little backwards. But yeah. how do you feel about that competition then? If if, if the store can carry it, the um, grocery. I don't really see it um, specifically as competition, um, just because we're such a niche sure. kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we we you know we're kind of a boutique uh, specialty store. And you're not going to be able to go into a grocery store and say, uh, hey, uh, could you help me find, I don't know, La Negra from La Cumbre. Sure. That's in my head right now. And they'll never have Um, the variety that you carry. Right. It's just going to be, you know, AB InBev products, Millicore's products. Yeah. And then maybe like Sierra, New Belgium, Odell, Oscar Blues. Right. The big, big, big guys. Yeah. And they're not going to have the clientele that we have. And it's the it's just going to be you know people that are doing their grocery shopping and want to grab a quick a twelve pack of whatever on the way home. Yeah, uh, people come into my store and they they absolutely relish um, our knowledge and our friendliness and that we can recommend anything in the store that they want. Sure. So you're not going to find that in you know supers or whatever. I think you make a good point. Yeah, you're right. So I can buy uh, a beer at the grocery store in California, but I don't. I go to the local shop that's like yours, uh, and yeah. it's mostly for variety, uh, just to have that selection. Yeah. Unless yeah, I'm just looking to like base a turkey or something, and then I'll just go buy the six pack of Sierra Nevada or whatever that's at the grocery store. Sure. But yeah. And then you have a few Sierras to drink too. Yeah. Do you guys sell kegs out of the shop too? We do. Um, I mean, we just we're we're tiny. We've got a thousand square feet of space, so we okay. don't really have the cold storage. Um, but what we do is on demand ordering. Okay. Um, we probably go through half a dozen kegs a month. I mean, it's not a huge volume right. thing for us. Um, but if people are looking for something, we can absolutely do it for them. And that's another thing about a brewery town, too, right, is you can go to any of the 24 breweries probably and buy yourself a keg. Mm-hmm. So it would be something, I imagine, from out of state or, or out of town that people are looking for? Uh, yeah. Um, but um, the other day, a gentleman came in, and he wanted a keg of New Belgium Frambozen. Um, so I talked to my New Belgium guy, and he hooked me up in 10 minutes. Got it. Um, so <laughs> nice. it's, it's awesome that he, you know, he chose to come to me rather than going to the brewery. But, I mean... Yeah, it helps us both out. So, you have any favorite couple favorite beers in your shop right now that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, let me think for a second here. Um, there's some drinking a New England IPA. Um, 
There Goes the Daytime from Stillwater okay. uh, is an exceptional double IPA. We've gone through, I don't know, we'll say half a dozen cases or something since GABF. Wow. Um, you get in special beer just for GABF usually? Yeah. yeah. Um, with some of our distributors, um, they hook us up. Okay. And uh, that was one of the beers for GABF. And what we like to do as a staff is we taste the beers uh, we try to uh, try to have as many as we can that we carry. I mean, that way we can hand sell it. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, separates us from literally everybody, I guess. Sure. And so we tasted it, and we're like, all right, well, that is now the best double IPA in the store until we sell out. It's, okay. And we just crush through it. Wow. Yeah. Double IPA is a huge seller in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, IPA, it's the most popular style in the world. Yeah. You guys see it here. Sure. Um, but absolutely in the store. Our best-selling beer uh, of all time is Codename Superfan from Odd 13, and they didn't even start producing that until six or eight months after we were open okay. and it's not even close second place got it yeah that's so amazing IPAs double IPAs all the and fresh and now like hops. you said the New England IPAs yep all, all the hazy stuff uh, is just instantly out the door yeah so that's the new what's your highest alcohol beer I don't know if yeah. you get it at your bar but I was, I was asking my bartender about this uh, in California I, I said do do people come up and ask about hazy beers? And he's like, oh, yeah, man, it's the new what's your highest alcohol. He said it happens to me multiple times a day. People come in and give me your haziest beer. Right. It's the thing. Are you selling more of those types of beers right now Do you think than, than almost any other style? They've been trending uh, for a few years now, and um, especially when Wahlberg's Juicy Bits came out. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which was, I want to say, March 2016. Okay. And pretty much took over Colorado, and that's when a bunch of other you know smaller breweries uh, started to, you know, give their take on them. Sure. Um, I, I don't see them slowing down right now. We always have a healthy amount of uh, hazy IPAs on tap, uh, thanks to a couple of my favorite local breweries, Cerebral and Outer Range, and uh, they're just killing it. Sure. They're, they're putting out new stuff all the time, and we're fortunate enough to get to have those on tap. And, um, you know, it's definitely created yeah. you know, a, a lot of buzz. So you and I can go through that beer pretty quick on tap, and... And I bring this up because I'm curious about what you do about uh, hazy beers on the shelf in bottles. Garrett Oliver j- just did an interview this week I was reading uh, from Brooklyn Brewery. Um, and he was saying he really likes the style. He, he really enjoys the beer, but would never make one um, because they have no shelf stability, no shelf life at all. And, in fact, he was feeling like 15 days or was about their, their maximum. So I'm curious what you think about that in, in packaged beer on the shelf. I think 15 days, me personally, by the way, that sounds really short. Uh, but I do think he makes a good point about their stability because of them not being filtered and, and just different things that can happen in the bottle. Or sure. the can. So what do, you, what do you think about that in the store? Um, I, I haven't had any experience with anything going bad. Like I said, uh, we taste stuff and we do it constantly. We always do QC. Okay. Um, so I haven't experienced anything you know, getting weird. Um, Excellent. And then there's this, that other fact that we just go through it so quickly. Okay. Um, so it just doesn't even become an issue. And that's kind of what I was hoping you say, too, that it's, it's flying off the shelf just like it's flying off our tap handle. So yeah. it, the, the point might be moot if people are, are drinking it that fast anyway. Yeah. I mean, if, if it sits for a few months, then... Like almost any beer, by the way. Yeah, just sure. Certainly any hoppy beer. Yeah. Right? Do um, you keep all your hoppy beers refrigerated in the store there? Uh, not necessarily. We rotate okay. a lot of stuff in and out uh, of the cooler. Um, but, yeah, we just we turn things over so quickly. Got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, we can't always do that in California. Either. We don't have enough fridge space. Yeah. So we just we try to do it carefully, right? Like the the, stu- the fresher it is, the hoppier it is, then we prioritize that in mm-hmm. our in our cold box. And some of the malty beers, if we know that they can uh, be in our, I don't even like calling it warm or cool storage. Yeah. Um, you know, then we'll do that and just try to rotate it that way, just to take care of things. Yeah. Cool. Well. I appreciate you guys being on the show. Yeah. Uh, thank you so yeah, much for inviting us. us. Is, yes. is there room for more uh, tap houses and breweries in Fort Collins? What do you think? I do think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just, there's, the, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, with the, just the rate of growth in Fort yeah. Collins as a whole anyway, I mean, right. we're, we're about, what, 170,000 people? Yep. Okay. Projected to be 200. In like not. a year and a half. <laughs> really? 300,000 um, uh, by like 2022. Wow. So, you know, that's, there's plenty of room. I say we let, let's team up and grow together. Let's keep it going. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, I, you know, everybody I ask isn't from Fort Collins, and I think it's, it's just a growth town, right? Like the people who are from Fort Collins, like, they, I mean, they've been here a long time. It used to be a really tiny old town, right? right? Yep. So everybody else, this new 170,000 people, we're all from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Bring good beer with you when you move here. The natives Absolutely. are very proud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I, I haven't met one yet, but I bet. <laughs> now, when you say it that way, uh, like, are you saying that they're a little so annoyed? So many transplants. Yeah, they're probably a little, the, maybe. A little, a little annoyed bit. by the yeah. rest of us, yeah. yeah. Taking okay. over their town. Yeah. Traffic now because of us, mm-hmm. all of that. It's one thing I didn't like about this town right when I came um, to check it out. Everything was under construction, right? There's traffic. They're everywhere. really good and at everything. Setting up cones. Still is. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It's so. the cone capital of the yeah. world. The cone capital of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. But I realize now that it, it annoyed me then when I first came here. But I realize now it's a good thing. It actually is because the town is growing. They're yeah. just constantly constructing. Um, so could go a little faster, you think? But, yeah, you know. <laughs> you apparently they can't even get help to like. There's not enough labor. I've heard that there's not enough. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. building these condos all around our place here. They were supposed to be done a long time ago, and uh, we we always ask why they're not done. Of course, because it'd be you know we want the locals right here. Yeah, and the biggest story we get actually is that it's trouble. They're having trouble keeping help. Construction business in Colorado in general is so big that people will show up for the job a few days and then get a better offer and bail crazy huh so yeah and you got we got a new uh, football stadium now have you guys been to that yet no, I have not. not yet me neither i really want to see to. it yeah that's you, you see it drive <laughs> all the time by, yeah, yeah driving right by it <laughs> that's just like being there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what are they gonna do with the old one anybody know yeah, i've heard some rumors like music venues and stuff but they're worried yeah. about um you know uh, residential areas being with noise ordinance and things but yeah that's unfortunate it's been a great venue colorado great yeah venue absolutely it's right there on the foothills you know gorgeous area okay yeah all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for being yeah, on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah. I'll see you for a Thank beer you. soon. Yeah, definitely. All right. And coming up next, we've got Peter Bucart from Purpose Brewing. He's going to be on the show with us. We'll be right back. This is the session. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. All right, folks. Welcome back to the live broadcast of The Session. Here from the Hop Grenade in Fort Collins. Looks like you guys are all having fun. Got some beer in your glass, which is a good thing. You get happier as the night goes. I see it happen all the time. People come in on a Friday, a little bit sad-faced, and then three beers later, they're happy as a clam. 
They're ready to go. (laughs) So with me tonight uh, on this segment of the show, I've got uh, Peter Bucart on the program of uh, New Belgium Brewing Company and now of uh, Purpose Brewing and Cellars. Um, I've I've been a big fan of yours for years and your beer, Peter. Um, I don't know. You you probably don't remember this, but uh, I started the Brewing Network back in 2005. And I met you at the Great American Beer Festival in, in 2006. And I was, I was younger and new at this, and I was really nervous to meet you, but I, I met you at Falling Rock, and I went to... Oh, God. Yeah, it was late. <laughs> and I went to invite you on the program, um, and I was so nervous, and I came up. I, I was very serious. I had this whole spiel for you. Uh, hello, my name's Justin, and I'm, I'm from the Brewing Network, and I, and I outlined what it all was, and I said, and I, I have a show on CBS Radio, and I, I just gave you this whole thing. And you just kind of looked at me and said, well, that all sounds very official. <laughs> and I just, you made me laugh. You, like, you, you made me relax a little bit. I realized, God, I came up just so uptight and nervous. And you just totally broke it down and was like, that all sounds very official. <laughs> it, it's only beer, you know. It's only know. 10 minutes of pleasure that you're making. So. You're right. It just took me a little while to figure that out, apparently. Um, so... How long have you been with New Belgium? So I started uh, with New Belgium in uh, September 96. Okay. So a little bit. Yeah. And what were you doing before that? Um, I was the brewmaster in uh, Rodenbach in a brewery in Belgium that mainly focuses on wood aging. Yeah. So I worked there almost 10 years. I started my own brew pub there also in Belgium the last two years. Is that still there? No, no, it's okay. not. All right. <laughs> yeah. What was that called? That was called the Zwingel. And you, you can't pronounce it. I one. could never <laughs> say that. No, absolutely not. Uh, is that a Flemish word? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a flax uh, working equipment. And we were in an area that used to work a lot on flax. And so okay. Yeah. And were there other brew pubs in Belgium at the time? Not many. Um, yeah. You're one That's of the a first. Question. <laughs> it was probably one of the first. Um, there was already a little bit of a start of getting some new breweries in, but um, it was kind of really odd okay. at that point. And w- was the public ready for, for that sort of thing? Did they n- understand what you were doing? Not really. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you were in on the ground floor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was a Belgian brew pub. You know, we had one beer, and if you didn't like the beer, we had some water okay. uh, from the tap that you could get. Or, and if you wanted food, well... Get it somewhere else? Yeah. <laughs> There's fries, you know, fries with mayonnaise. Sure. Or, you know, of course. <laughs> you, you only had one beer? Why is that? Why would you have more beer? I don't know. It just seems so common to have multiple beers, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> look at this bar. How many I mean, 25. <laughs> have you ever considered serving only one Going day? down to one? <laughs> it would be an original concept. It might sell. Yeah. And, and whoever that brewery is at the time that's on tap better be damn good. Because <laughs> there's no other choices. The beer was good, but um, it was a little bit heavy. We gave our farewell party there uh, when we left for the U.S. And... Uh, my God, were people drunk? Really? <laughs> <laughs> it was slightly sour, um, but the alcohol content was relatively high, and it drank like nothing. It was really a very good beer. Okay. Um, and were you looking to move to the U.S., or were you recruited? <laughs> no, I wasn't really looking. I started my brew up, you know? Yeah. Um, 
things happen, you know. Maybe they happen for a reason. I don't know. Sure. It, it was a coincidence. I met uh, Kim and Jeff in uh, Boston during the Craft Brewers Conference in 96. Okay. And they mentioned that they were looking for a Belgian brewer. And I was like, oh, good luck. <laughs> um, yeah. Because literally I was starting up... Uh, my own brewery, but I stayed at um, the brewer from Cambridge Brewing. Mm -hmm. They're all gas at that point at his house, and the next day he's like, "Do you know where Colorado is?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Yeah, it's kind of a fun state. There's mountains." And, and they're like, "Do you know those guys from New Belgium?" Yeah. And I don't know. It's kind of an up-and-coming brewery. Like, I said, "What are you talking about?" I'm working at Rodema. I'm working in my own brew pub. Um, What's your, what's your point? Yeah. You, they're like, your vacation, why don't you check it out? Sure. And so we checked it out. Okay. And was, where were you? At the, were you in, in Massachusetts? Is that where Cambridge is? If, yeah, okay. Uh, Boston. Boston, uh, yeah. It was in Boston. So Mass uh, Cambridge is just over the river okay. in Boston. So you flew over here to take a look at Fort Collins? I drove. You drove? Okay. Yeah, Belgium is only three hours in one, on the longest direction, so we're like... Yeah, Colorado's Colorado. three hours. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Belgians. <laughs> so you drove out here to look at it, and what was your first impression of little old Fort Collins? My first impression, we actually stayed overnight in Denver, and then it was very cloudy, and we drove up to Fort Collins, and... It was quite intense because we've been driving, and uh, I was talking to my wife, and and then suddenly I looked on the other side, and there was mountains, yeah. and snow. I was like, "Oh wow!" Because <laughs> we had seen cornfields and sure corn on the drive and cornfields, <laughs> right? And cornfields and flat and yeah, okay. And so the mountains, and then uh, New Belgium just had moved in the current site in Linden five hundred, and. Uh, was a huge expansion okay. for them, but uh, they, as any expansion go, they didn't have the money, and so I didn't know duct tape. It was my first um, <laughs> discovery of duct tape. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, there's something to be done here. That's right. So, <laughs> so how did they get you then? Did you, were, did you want to take on the challenge? Because, like you said, you were quite busy already. Yeah, for me, it was really about, wow, I can come in here and I can do something. Okay. And, um, Basically, turn. I, I I used words that I shouldn't have used, but I told Kim and Jeff, "You build a castle without foundations." Okay. And then we can turn now over some stones here and just make it in gold. Okay. And but it was, but I, I didn't realize the huge expansion that they had gone, the capital expansion that they had gone through, and what they had to cut. Yeah. Corners to to get where they wanted to get but there was so much basic work to be done yeah that was for me so enticing okay because if you work in a more established brewing world like Belgium you know things move maybe tomorrow or the day after I you know? see yeah and then you come here in the US you come in a new Belgium and uh, like oh you haven't done it yet yeah you wait till tomorrow it's too late yeah keep yeah. on going and so for me that was very enticing um, and it sounds like you were you were very honest with them about your impression and I assume that, that they liked that instead of being told how great they are well, maybe I wasn't very serious. I wasn't really seriously considering it. I see. Um, but 
than just the sheer challenge okay was really the enticing part for me got it so you have this conversation with them you're, you're here and and do they just kind of make you an offer that makes you go yeah i'll leave everything in in belgium and do it uh, they made us an offer but uh we didn't really know how to talk and i did also didn't know they new belgium didn't know how to bring in a belgian brewmaster visa wise how that's gonna work oh, yeah so we basically left and yeah there was an offer on the table and there was a lot of research to be done and um, so we went to belgium we actually looked into things new belgium looked at into things mm-hmm. and then um a couple of weeks later, I gave my resign when we had wow. a little bit of um, an idea on what it was going to take for a visa okay. and blah, blah, blah. And sure. It's, uh, it's not fun. And did they give you kind of free reign of, of the brewery so you felt like you could come in and, and really sort of make it your own? Well, if you know Jeff, um, Jeff likes to... Um, is a man of little words and... Um, he was watching over my shoulder, pretty okay. hefty, until he kind of got how I do develop recipes, how I tackle problems. Yeah. And once that started to, to settle, he was like, okay. You got this. And at that point, Jeff was also doing the automation of the brewery. He was also doing the engineering. That guy was way too busy yeah. to continue to do what he was doing. But initially, he always wanted to have a, an oversight of what I was doing. Okay. But then after a while, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you have to do. Sure. <laughs> Now, was New Belgium making uh, Belgian-style beer from the beginning, or did that take some time? No, I, I think um, it's almost the reverse. I, I think the beers that we had at that point, were there were only five beers, Fat Tire, Sunshine, Old Cherry, Abbey and Triple. Okay. The Abbey and Triple, I think, were fantastic beers. Fat Tire, um, to this day, in my eyes, is still the best Belgian-style beer made in the U.S. Really? Uh, it was funny. Sure, I, I brought uh, Palm and the Koning over um, because those were like the models for Fat Tire. Okay. I wanted, Jeff had asked if I was going to bring some over. I shortly over after that, I had a brewmaster from Palm Brewing uh, over, and I served him those three beers, Fat Tire, Palm, the Koning. He was like... He didn't know it was fat. He's like, that's weird. Dry hopped amber. Yeah. And then his palm, he was like, oh, that's a pretty good beer. And the corning, he was like, yeah, that's a different yeast. But so he he didn't really know that we had his beer. Okay. So he said it was a good beer, but he was like, wow, this is crazy. Like a dry hopped amber. Interesting. And I recently had a bag, the guy from the corning last year, I think. We brewed with... Uh, Sven de Kleersmaker, who's now the brewmaster at the Koning. And even before I met him, he texted me, hey, I'm in for Collins. I said, okay, I'll come over and have a beer. Uh, let's meet in, uh, I think we went to the Crown Pub or something. He's like, oh, I already had a beer in old Chicago's. Uh, I had fat tire. <laughs> you guys dry hop that. Why the heck do you do that? Wow. Like, <laughs> he was completely blown away. Of course. <laughs> but that was for me such a confirmation that it's... Uh, in my eyes, the best Belgian style sure. beer. 
in the U.S. Interesting. <laughs> you wouldn't think about that. I would never have said that. It's I bet, not sour. I'm I bet there's not know. one of my listeners who would ever think that. Uh, yeah. We're just smoking pot. We're in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, even dry hopping wasn't a, a big deal back then when that was being when it was first made. Yeah, but uh, if you look at the dry hopping levels that were used in Fatire, that's uh, compared to the dry hopping nowadays. Yeah, that's a very soft. Uh, that's like a pepper and salt dry hopping. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now we're dry hopping with uh, the bulldozers. Yeah? Sure, <laughs> everything you can put in there. Yeah, yeah, and more. Which you like, I assume. Do you you enjoy that style of beer, or um, that goes fundamental for me? Beer, um, a beer. I approach beer as a chef. <laughs> And a chef, um, maybe you're going to get overly spicy or hot, but uh, you try to make pieces of beauty. Mm -hmm. And so wherever the beauty can come from, uh, but you're never going to, in my eyes, overdose a beer. Okay. Because it's only going to be your 10 minutes of pleasure, so <laughs> you don't want to be like, here, a punch in the face, you know? Sure. You want more hops? I can put them in your tea, too, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it sounds like you're look, you, do, you don't mind hoppy beer, but you're looking for more subtleties than something overt. If I look at a building, if I look at art, um, you want to have pieces of beauty, you know? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the same for food or beer. Okay. Hey, I'm going to approach it, uh, whatever it is, and I'm going to smell it, take a sip. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, and you better blow my socks off. Hey, you don't, you're not going to impress me if you're going to overdo anything. Got it. Alcohol. Sure. Hoppy. Bitterness. Yeah. <laughs> Spiciness. <laughs> Any one of those things. Yeah, but just create a, a piece of beauty and uh, just wow me. You yeah. Know? That's what I'm looking at. Like, uh, if you see that one, uh, that's pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our glass picture up there. Yeah. Yeah. I was taken by one of my partner's uh, son, so I couldn't say no if, whether I liked it or not, really. <laughs> You're not allowed to say no to the partner's kids. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> it's not a crayon drawing, so that's good. <laughs> it's got some subtlety to it yeah, up there. I, I can't even see what the material is from here, but it just catches my eye, you know? Yeah. And it, that's how I approach uh, life. Uh, you you want to be wowed with beauty, you know? Sure. And beauty can be visible, audible. It doesn't matter what it is. Eh? Right. So, I hope you don't mind me asking. You're, you're still with New Belgium now. Are, are you leaving uh, to... Purpose is already open, though, your new... Yeah. Okay. So, um, Kim asked me to stay on somewhere close to the end of the year. Okay. We still have to work out um, the details. For me, I've had um, such an incredible fun and great ride in New Belgium mm-hmm. it was such a small company when I arrived and we could do so much and uh, and we we made what it became yeah eh? and eh, built Asheville from a design and a whole new brewery eh, from design to build to then produce beers eh, I've had so many opportunities there but it was maybe a bit after Asheville that I was like okay so what the heck do I do now? I see. And so I took my sabbatical and uh, 
reflected. I talked with a lot of people in uh, your neck of uh, drove west and uh, okay. ha- hung out in way too many breweries, but <laughs> often just talking with the people who owned the brewery or who were working in the brewery and discovered that there's so much beauty still in American brewing. Okay. Uh, so you're uh, rejuvenated in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty in, in people mostly. Yeah. But also in beers in, in, in so many different directions. And then it became a reflection like what the heck do I do next? Okay. And how can I add to this beauty that's happening in the US? Wow. Beyond New Belgium eh, and um yeah, I was. <laughs> you were ready. Ah, it's a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? Well, it's a very healthy one. I've, I've been through Maybe. worse. Uh, <laughs> Did anything during your sabbatical as you're trying to figure out what's next? Did. Did anything cross your your mind that wasn't brewing? Did you Did you have any other ideas that you might have gone into? No. It was um, always about beer. Yeah, I'm a stupid brewer. You know, it's <laughs> the only thing I've done in my life. Okay. Um. I love beer. I love the community around beer. Yeah. Um, and I was just talking with uh, Josh from McBolden on the bar. Yeah. It's, this community is just, uh, there's no other community, no other industry like this. I think you're right. And um, why would I look beyond it? Sure. It was more just, uh, what is it that I want to do next? Okay. And so that was the soul search. So what is the concept of purpose that that got you excited, that made it different for you? So for me, it's a... I talked with a lot of people in this process, and uh, we looked at medium size. We looked at one beer. You did? <laughs> no, you didn't. You're a I lunatic, did. Peter. You're <laughs> I'm a lunatic. Yes, thanks. <laughs> um, but but challenge the whole process on, like, hey, what could we do? What could I do? Um, and it started crystallizing more when I started uh, talking with Zach and Laura. Okay. And so Fizzy, my wife, and uh, um, Zach and Laura. And when we started talking... Uh, Zach and Laura, they wanted to go bigger. And I'm like, no, no, no. Those are your partners? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could we go smaller? And they're like, why? And so why not? Okay. Yeah. And so that one beer concept came up. And he just basically, how can we challenge? Once we settled more on for Collins, uh, then it was the question about... We live in paradise here in Collins. Uh, we have so many breweries. Yeah. We have good breweries mm-hmm. in town. Uh, we should be proud about that. And so who the heck are we going to be? The new kid on the block? Yeah. Who are we going to be? And so then it came about challenging the thought process. And uh, it really had to be small because I wanted to kind of be the chef. Okay. And when you come in, in the brewery, you will not know what you're going to have. You typically, you're probably going to go with the flight because you don't recognize any of the names. You, <laughs> right. There's way too wacky ingredients in it. And like, really, should I really drink this? And then I want to surprise you with how we use those ingredients to create that piece of beauty. Okay. Yeah, and it's not done in Farcons, and I think it's really additive for the community that we're in. Sure. To do what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and we're very small. We're 
So if we, we do 200 barrels a year, that's going to be an wow. accomplishment. Now that begs the question, and I'm sure that this might have been on your partner's mind when you were talking about size, is you, you still have to think about profits too, and everybody wants to make a living, and well, size matters to that. So how do yeah, you get past that? But, but size is, um, is a rat race. That's true. Because we have to go bigger, because we have to have more profit, because we have to more, or no, sorry, more revenue, because we're going to employ more people, and no, no, no. You're just chasing it. Take away, away this rat race. What do you need? What's the investment that you have to put in? Uh, um, how are you going to try to recuperate that? What's your plan on, on size? We, we work without employees. Yeah. In purpose. Okay. We're only three days a week open. Oh, growlers, no. Um, you could go to Maxline or Zwei. They fill growlers or Gilded Goats. They're close by. No growlers for you guys? No. Okay. Yeah, what you're going to... You can have the beer here. Okay. And that's it? And we're the only place right now that has it outside of the tap room too, right? It's the first cake outside. Will that grow or do you think you won't do much of that either? I, I want to stay... I want to do that a little bit. Okay. Maybe... Three kegs a month at the max. Wow. Yeah, but again, keep it small. Right. Because we need to be able to manage it, be able to to keep it running on our own. And I don't want to get um, bad in the rat Sure. Where you have this. We do have, we're looking at relocating the brewery, and that is a scary thought. In Already? Yeah. How, how long have you been open? I mean, but um, it ha- we were from the get go. We were looking to start a farm. Okay, um, but then we suddenly were able to buy this location that we're currently in on Mason, um, and that was a perfect one to open. So we were looking at 2019. Okay, and so now it, this just happened. We do have a lease until uh, end of August next year. There. Wow. And so, how do we? Look at the relocation, and that could be a stretch of the business. And I'm very strong, very afraid that this business stretch could um, stretch the business beyond what it's intended to. I see. And so that is going to be a crucial choice for us. But uh, I think we are able to deal with it. Um, we have people who want to help us out. Um, okay. The show, Ollie, as um, um, people that are. Sh- Maybe comment in the business or okay, but if I can keep it small, you will. This is where I'm gonna be. What size is the brew house? It's a four barrel system. <laughs> hey, we're not the smallest in the town. <laughs> See, as much as I like you, Peter, if you had come to me with this idea uh, as a potential investor, I would have said no, no effing way. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, but I would have been dumb because this beer in my glass is really nice. What is the beer that, that we have here on tap? So the beer we have on tap is uh, the Nacht. Um, it was probably one of the first beers we brewed. And so you kind of can see what we do with it. Um, we dry hopped it with coconut, with um, some uh, peel and some vanilla beans. We kept them all separate. We aroused the tank just to kind of see how different things were evolving and pulled them out at the moment we thought they were enough. Wow. And so um, it's good um, 
base beer to do other things after. Okay. And we have kept on dry hopping this with other stuff. Also. Oh, really? As it's in the barrels? With, co- with coffee or with uh, ambirana wood. or yeah, So we have taken it in different directions also uh, as such. As it keeps changing. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. You really are like a chef now. <laughs> I think it's a good reflection on what we want to be with purpose. Eh? Um, it's that we're just going to wow you. Yeah. We hope you're going to consider this as a piece of beauty. Um, if not, we have three other beers on tap. <laughs> <laughs> Up to four now. Yeah, four beers. <laughs> Is it on wood as well? No. No, it's just in stainless, has been the whole time. No, um, I've been working my whole brewing life at wood. Um, I love wood, and wood is only an ingredient. It, and so there's so much beyond wood yeah. that I want to have fun with. Okay. And so I do not want to limit me to wood. Okay. It, wood is... A tool, it's hey, the ingredients of beer, knowledge, experience, and creativity. And wood is just in the, in the level of a tool. And so, yeah, you use barrels, but you use barrels just as a tool. Okay. And so, yeah, we're serving every week a different barrel. And we try to contrast them every week substantially. We had a very high Brettanomyces beer last week. This week, we have something that's actually kind of... Spicy is the wrong word, but there's like it tastes like cinnamon, almond, and um, some rub spices. But it's a beer that had whole cherries oh, in the barrel. Okay, but you don't get the cherries; you get fruitiness. But if you don't talk cherry, yeah. So every week we try to contrast with a different barrel what we're gonna serve. I see. And so, but only one of our beers is wood aged. Okay. At any time, only At any one. time. Or maybe okay. we have had weeks that we was two, you know. <laughs> but uh, don't keep an arm. We had a, almost a beer that became a flagship, and we pulled it. Okay. Because I don't want to make flagship beer. Right. You don't want to get bored again. Yeah. I understand. So that one, that part, I, I don't think sounds too crazy. I think that sounds creative. I also think that e- even the market now wants that. We're, we're not so impressed with flagships anymore. We're impressed with seasonals and change. And um, even here, it's why we, we rotate tap so much at Tap and Handle. I know they do the same thing because we want to come in and see a different beer every day. So that part, I think you got right for sure. Yeah, and I, um, we also live in a community here all together in uh, for Collins. That people are so beer savvy, yeah, and they will try it, you know. Yeah, they will be honest also <laughs> what they say about it. <laughs> but this is so wonderful, and we live in paradise as brewers right now because yeah. we can make whatever we want. True, and people will give it a try, and they, they will be vocal about it. They love it or they hate it. Beer should be passion. Yeah, um, and but we can do it. Yeah, and it's thanks to tap a handle. It's thanks to. <laughs> hey, yeah. You guys are, have helped building where we live in. We, we just live in beer paradise. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, and the beer nerds, I'm, I'm, I'm one myself. You know, this just it's they helped us, you know, build the house for them to come have beer in. It's what they ask for too. You know, so uh, I mean, I built the bar that I wanted to hang out at. It's what we did in California here too, and then the same was with with the beer selection. It was the type of selection I wanted. And hey, we have done that as a community because I still remember the day that we first uh, brewed uh, or started selling. Oh, Kim was like, "What are you going to do with all those fooders that you're buying? Are you going to sell it?" I'm like, "Selling." Yeah. Uh, and but then the first trying to sell a sour beer here was 
back then. And like, what fruit do you get? And people are naming fruits. And I'm like, okay, there's no fruit in it. Huh. <laughs> right. Do you drink wine? Yeah, what do you think about the acidity level? Do you think? Hey, and it took so much momentum. And now you go to a bar. Oh yeah. And you can ask, what sours do you have on tap? Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hey. We've had too many sours on tap before. I come in and said it's ridiculous <laughs> with these sours right now. The yeah. first sour beer I had, I, it was also at Falling Rock. It may have been way back in 2006, and it was a Cantillon. Uh, the rosé and I took a sip and I and I made this face like it was the worst thing I'd ever had but what came out of my mouth afterward I was like oh wow that's amazing <laughs> like I it, it it offended me and I loved it at the same time and I've been hooked ever since on sour beer I'm gonna die completely at ease when uh, we serve Bud Light sour <laughs> I might have some in my garage. It's been there for 10 years. <laughs> uh, that will be amazing. Then we can all retire. We'll know, we'll know it's, it's come all the way around. So in, uh, in the Nacht, it, uh, you mentioned coconut and vanilla bean. Is there any other ingredients besides malt and hops? So the malt is all from a local malt house here oh. in um, Troubadour Malting. Oh, I'm going to try to book them, actually. They just came across my radar. Because even in that, I think um, we have also the stilt side. But then on the malt side, it's so so beautiful to see. We have Twyla here uh, in Wellington who only does uh, gluten-free grains. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. If you hear her story, for you, it would be... Yeah. um, But then um, Troubadour Malting, Rootshoot Malting, there's... There's a whole industry developing around us. Sure. Hey, we've been playing with the squirrel barrel, hey, but now on the wood side we have innovation also. Yeah. Hey, wow. <laughs> Life is way too beautiful. So <laughs> I, when I was sitting at Tap and Handle last night at the bar, a uh, guy sat next to me, um, and I mentioned you're going to be on my show. And he told me to ask you about this square barrel nonsense. Um, and, and the way he was talking about it is because you, 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 you add staves as you want them. So you're, you're more controlling the, the wood flavor this way. Can you describe what, what this is? Right. The concept, you need to take a couple of steps back. Um, the concept comes from a shortage on barrels. Uh, there's roughly 2 million barrels input in um, bourbon right now in the in the world and there's only a half a million barrels of wine barrels made uh, for brewers we're typically on the second uh, row to get new barrels okay wine barrels are way too expensive bourbon barrels right um, the scottish are swelling them up or with whiskey ah. um, and so we are somewhere in between as brewers so um, it comes from Black Swan Brewing, uh, sorry, Cooperage in um, hmm. northern Minnesota. And a local guy here from Feisty Spirit, Dave Monahan, started working um, with them on trying to increase their production okay. and barrel making. And they have a lot of logistics challenges, but so they had always more orders than what they could produce. And so they have been looking at new things and how can we get impact wood flavor in distilled in uh, wine and then of course also in beer 
And so they came up, they started playing with that square barrel. Okay. Where you can put in the staves. Um, but the interesting part for me is that uh, the staves or the way they are cut in the barrel, they actually can penetrate, the liquid can penetrate from the side who actually is the best way to penetrate wood. And so you can extract way faster flavor. Interesting. From a barrel. And just so I understand, the the square barrel itself, that's also wooden or that's stainless? It's a stainless barrel. And then barrel. it has this method to put the wood it through. Okay. It's a crazy concept in yeah. my eyes. But if you look for, for wood flavor, it's a good tool. The process goes way too fast uh, to apply something from microbiology. And a lot of the barrels right nowadays in, in craft are used for microbiological okay. reasons. And we have a lot of bourbon barrel or... Um, maple barrel or where the previous filling extraction is your goal but if you want to go for microbiology it's not a tool you want I see because it's way too fast on the wood flavor extraction I see okay but now I'm going to get Mongolian wood uh, Mongolian oak I'm going to get some New Zealand oak uh, from the guys from uh, Garage Project oh yeah talking so I'm going to get other stuff Right. Other ingredients that, again, hopefully I can make something beautiful out. And so now you're no longer limited to the access to these barrels. and Or most barrels aren't even made of these woods you're talking about. And so. I, they can use basically half staves that are cracked because they can u- reuse them. You can cut them in a different way because you can penetrate wood way, more, way easier if you... Um, Penetrated from, I don't know how to say that in English, um, but from the side instead of it, the way they cut staves is to make them watertight. But that also right. limits your extraction that you can get from wood. Here, if you're talking about an extraction of only a couple of days, why don't you cut it different? If you have a bit of leak, well, hey, it's not going to do much. It's you not know, a big you can, deal. You can put 50 psi on it, and it's going to push out. Wow. Yeah, are you already using this in the brewery, or yeah, we've you been um, <coughs> serving three beers already from okay. the squirrel barrels. Interesting. I'd like to see it. Uh, it sounds fascinating. And it's a funny one. If you see it, they're like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> Strange looking. It's a smart concept, and especially with a supply problem. So yeah, and I I like the innovation. It's kind of like uh, the troubadour and the rootshoot malting. It's another supply industry to us who's reviving. Yep. In a way? Yep. And Gotta where is that going to lead? You're right. Hey, I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't care. We'll figure <laughs> Just it out watch as we it. go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, Peter, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I wish you luck. And, mm, thanks. Uh, I can't wait to your full time over at, at Purpose and making four barrels of beer at a time for us. Uh, I, have to, I haven't been in yet, but I, the concept sounds great. It's um, really far from here, you know. It's not far, is it? It's right here, isn't it? You throw a stone. I can throw a stone. Hit it. <laughs> See, Andrew, I might have to change up my beer, my favorite place list a little bit after I go to, I don't know. I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll take Andrew with me, and then we can re- both rearrange our list. Our we're favorite. only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> You're like living the dream, man. You're, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you barely work. You don't make any beer. Oh, really? You don't sell it to anybody. No. What the hell did you open over there? Somebody has to drink it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing. Well, you're a smarter man than I am. Uh, Peter Bucart, I appreciate you being on the program. I wish you all the luck at Purpose, and thanks for the beer. 
And that's going to do it for the session today. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. I hope you had a good time with Santa Claus out there and having beer. Uh, thanks to my staff here who's doing a great job. Um, to my guests, uh, Chris uh, from Craft Beer Cellar and Andrew from Tap and Handle. Appreciate, appreciate you guys being on. And, of course, uh, Peter from Purpose. Um, we'll see you next time we come to Fort Collins on the session. Thanks, everybody.